0: In the wake of racial unrest, the pandemic, and ongoing systemic injustices, the importance of mental and emotional wellness for Black people cannot be overstated. Depending on when you're listening to this, we are entering the final week of Black History Month. In this special compilation episode, I'm amplifying some of the top Black voices we've had on the show who will explore the concept of resilience and its connection to Black health and wellness. Each guest, in their own way, will discuss the ways in which Black people can build resilience and navigate the challenges of daily life with mental and emotional strength. Even if you're not a person of color, there is definitely something for you in this episode. This episode is a must-listen for anyone seeking to build resilience and prioritize mental, physical, and emotional wellness in the face of ongoing challenges. Check the show notes to reference the order of each of our powerful speakers in this episode. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. What is the impact of racism on health and why do you think it's a public issue?
1: When we think about racism being a public health issue, and the reason I say that is because racism has an actual impact on our health and whether that be because we actually experience racism or just the perceived, uh, the, the perceived, the perception that you will experience racism in the world leads to higher levels of blood pressure, higher levels of heart disease, higher levels of, higher levels of cancer. Mental health issues and Mm -hmm. many of these things are seen as early as our 20s. And so, when we think about the fact that just experiencing racism leads to physical health problems, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that racism is, you know, regardless of people, one who, especially here in America, right? Like racism is everywhere. But Mm. if, you know, for people globally who have been paying attention to what's happening in the US, even this week, right, with the storming of the Capitol by what I refer to as the rioters, but white supremacist terrorists. Right.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: You know, that is that is traumatizing. And it's also, you know, thank God I'm not that close to D.C., but like it's traumatizing. It's scary. It's the reality that you're living with in a country that this type of racism is. Accepted and almost um, encouraged by our our former president or soon to be former president, you know. Yeah. And so you think about all those things, and then you think about regular and, and we're living during Corona, right? And coronavirus has two to te- two to three times the death rate for black black people mm-hmm. than it does for other groups. And so you think of all these things and you're like, yeah, racism has a real impact on our health and it is a public health issue. And, and, and if we don't, and the fact that, you know, there's a really great YouTube video, which I would, I'm going to share with you after the show and you maybe yes, please. it's, um, And it's this really great TED talk about why racism is a public health issue. One of the things he brings up in the video is more related to police brutality, but he was talking about how many people die as a result of police brutality every year. He's like, but what's even a greater public health issue is that that many people die because of lack of proper medical care. Black people die. As a result yes. of medical care, yes. then even the brutality, right? So these are things that are happening all the time, mm-hmm. regardless of corona, regardless of all the the race issues that are happening. And so those are these are things that are really having a real impact on health. And so it's very short-sighted to not you to the stats, right? Science, like the statistics. You can look at the stats, the information's on on the CDC website. And so it's really clear that these are, are public health issues affecting people and to not address those or to not talk about that is just, uh, it's short-sighted. And also it's like, who are you really catering to then? Mm-hmm. Um, are you only catering to certain types of people? And, and, and for me, if a wellness practitioner wants to ensure that the clients that come to them are living healthy and whole lives, that goes beyond just exercise and nutrition, right? It's about mm-hmm. mental health, spiritual health. Emotions. Absolutely. It's about being a whole, um, a holy well. And Absolutely. so we can't ignore those. issues.
0: Next is episode 19, challenging mental health stigma in the black community with Martine Lopez. Martine Lopez is a dear friend of mine. She is also a mental health social worker and assistant professor with over 17 years of experience in mental health and has recently expanded her social work practice through starting her own education and training business called The Renewal. The Renewal offers training and education to those interested in expanding their knowledge base related to mental health and wellness. In this clip, we talk about the root of mental health stigma among Black people and why the Black community needs more mental health resources and the importance of the language that we use. This was a really powerful episode. Enjoy this clip from episode 19. Because the
2: Black community has gone through trauma that no other community has experienced and so we really need to create and develop a system that is that is kind of widespread that has widespread access to mental health resources and like currently i feel that the system offers a very sort of linear approach and this means that we're more than likely going to encounter gaps whereby individuals are not supported in the ways that are truly specific to their own needs so we really need to think of our system outside of a conventional law and develop more of a what I like to call a holistic approach and create a holistic ecosystem that really provides extensions into those varied levels of mental health. Mm. Can you talk about those varied levels? Ideally this would would mean sort of resources and tools that may be sort of gender and culturally specific that would be available to target these specific needs.
0: Okay, got it. So what do you think it will take on a societal level to start shifting the stigma of mental health in the Black American community, Black Canadian community, because I know here, we're here in Canada, but just in Black you know, mental health on a whole?
2: I think breaking down the stigma within our community can be achieved in multiple ways. I think the first step really is awareness. Right. I think that there's still a perpetuation of, of, of kind of misconceptions about mental health and bringing that education and awareness to our community, I think, is a first step. So bringing awareness also to some stigmatizing language, because we tend in our community to use languages like and I'm sure um, if you are a person of color, you may have heard, oh, that person did mud. Or no sad, them not right, them head, you know, and those types of terminology, Those are very stigmatizing language, right? And it further perpetuates yes. and discourages individuals who have these types of difficulties from engaging and seeking treatment. So we really need to bring mm. awareness to the use of that stigmatizing language. I also feel that education is key to bringing that awareness. So education can take mm. place on a micro level as well as a macro level whether it be just educating our family members, having those conversations with our children, right? Having those conversations with our spouses about mental illness Mm. and also colleagues within the workplace and sharing maybe some unique challenges that we have as a community in terms of of mental illness. I also think that we, we need to become more aware of our own attitudes and beliefs towards the Black community to really kind of reduce those implicit biases and those those negative assumptions that we that we often go to. So awareness and education, having those conversations, I think is key to the first step at least to addressing the stigma on a societal level. Oh.
0: So let's talk about your self-love journey, Lovemore. What was the catalyst to you starting your self-love journey?
3: The, the number one journey for me, I mean, there's there's many different. And um, just to get right to what was the number one. You know what, Judy? a lot of times it takes pain to move us into that big propel of purpose. Mm-hmm. And it was when my mom went to heaven she had terminal cancer, so I knew she was going. And I saw, her, they gave her three months and I saw her went from everything to nothing. Mm. And if that doesn't wake someone up, it did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was lost for many years in my brand, in life. I didn't know it was lost because we don't speak about these things and I I wasn't someone who communicated so my mom was worried about me she Mm -hmm. was like you you keep everything in you don't talk and she was broken so when I saw her slowly going away it's almost like I had cataract on my eyes like I couldn't see Mm. I couldn't see life I couldn't see the sky the sun going outside to chase and look at the 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 rose blooming and all the flowers I missed i I didn't see those things I was so busy I was was so busy just running chasing eating fast talking fast running fast spinning fast and God wanted me to say easy love more easy slow down but I wasn't listening to the cues and the sign because. I remember my dad before he left for, um, he left to go back home in 2015. He broke down and he said, you're working too hard. Don't kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And Judy was like, I cared, but I was so broken. It still didn't penetrate. So God removing my mom from this earth was the only thing that woke me up. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I want to live. I want to wake up in the morning and see the abundance in every single day from the rose bush in the back to the sun kissing down on me and say, go love more, you have light and shine. Mm-hmm. And I just had this burning desire to be, to become, to live, to love and to just enjoy each day, even when it's difficult to just see the beauty in each day. And I was on fire truly. I, I like God just planted this fire inside me. He's like, I want more. I want I'm yeah. curious about life. I want more. Tell me more. Tell me more. That's where it started. It started from a place of pain. Mm. And the pain just bursted out this beautiful experience of what can be if I only just decided to just learn more about who I am. And really tap into the essence of the beauty of every single day. And it got so beautiful. I'm like, Lord, I want more. I want more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was the
0: catalyst. Mm So do you think that people pleasing is something, and I have a feeling I know your answer to this question, but do you think that people pleasing is something that affects Black women proportionately more than other women? What are your thoughts on that?
4: I mean, I would say in my experience, I don't know if it's more than other women, but I think from the way that Black women we've been conditioned is that we tend to, I think, I think we tend to do it more and thus be negatively impacted by it more um, because historically we've always been sort of like the caretakers of the world, you know, the, the mammies, you know, so to speak. And so that can sort of make us sort of I. You know, equate our our femininity or our womanhood with taking care of other people, being constantly self sacrificing, along with the whole strong black woman, you know, trope. We're thinking that I have to be strong and constantly be working and working and working and not complain about it.
0: Mm, I know that one, <laughs> <laughs> right for sure. You know, and just thinking back, and I think. You know, when everything happened with Black Lives Matter during the pandemic, it actually really forced me to look at some of my previous jobs that I had and some of the previous careers that I had. And I used to Mm -hmm. work in an office for many, many years, like probably 14 years. I was working in the corporate setting before I now became a wellness expert. And I was just thinking back to a lot of situations and times in my life when I was working in corporate where I know for a fact I was doing a lot of people pleasing. And I wasn't necessarily able to see it at that time as I was living it. But definitely as I started to reflect back, I I definitely saw that as well. And I know that, you know, there was a reason why I was doing that. And it was because I wanted to prove myself. You know, it wasn't, it was people pleasing, yes, but it was also because I wanted to prove myself and felt I had to prove myself that much more as a Black woman. Because very often yeah. in my company, I was like one of like, you know, two or three Black people, and definitely the only Black person in my department that I was working in. So I always yeah. felt I had to achieve more or put in more effort so that. That I can almost like stand up against my peers and, and prove my worth. Let's be, you know, let's be real.
4: That's a really good point, too. And I think, you know, I I think about just how a lot of us grow up as as Black women, as Black people thinking, and we're we're taught from a young age that you have to work twice as hard to be able to obtain the same amount of success or close to the amount of success as, you know, white peers. And then when you're in a space that's predominantly white, it makes you feel like you have to work even harder to prove that, you know, you belong there. So again, there's in all these different areas of life, we're basically taught we have to to constantly prove ourselves work more do more and really there doesn't ever seem to be a, a ceiling or like or i don't know if it's a ceiling or a bottom there's never seems to be a point where we say like okay i've done enough I've, mm-hmm. I've finally proven myself there's always going to be um, a, a moving of, of the goalposts in some way
0: mm. Some of the foods in the Caribbean are just overflowing with an abundance of nutrients, minerals and antioxidants, which makes them overlooked when we think about superfoods to boost our health. All right, so let's talk about plantains. This is another one that we know and love. So plantains are a staple food in the Caribbean and are known as, some people call them cooking bananas. Um, Similar to bananas, plantains also may may help to boost your immune system. Um, They can also help with digestion and are also really rich in potassium with about 20% of your daily recommended amount. Um, So many Western diets include too much sodium and potassium is an electrolyte that can help to offset this and regulate your blood pressure, which is super important. So plantains also contain uh, about a fifth of the fiber recommended daily, which is key since fiber helps to improve your digestion um, as well as keeping you regular and keeping you full in between meals as well. So vitamin C, which I've talked about quite a bit, um, is also important for repairing tissues in your body and also for a healthy immune system. And plantains are a really great source of vitamin C, providing um, about 35% of the vitamin C needed per day. So getting the daily recommended amount of vitamin C is really important since your body can't store vitamin C or produce its own. So plantains are also really high in vitamin A, uh, vitamin B6, um, in addition to high levels of magnesium and iron. And iron is also another one that a lot of women are deficient in. So plantain plays an important role in Caribbean cuisine. Uh, It's used as a vegetable, it's used as a source of carbohydrates, and it's also used in desserts as well. I've seen some people actually cook it up with coconut milk too. Um, So plantain is also eaten, you can eat it boiled, baked, fried, or mashed um, in many parts of the world. Uh, Some people do that in Florida, um, Spain, Mexico, I think we have some listeners from Mexico here, shout out to you guys. Uh, Portugal, uh, Japan, Malaysia, and Brazil, just to mention a few places. So Caribbean plantains are sometimes confused with bananas um, to people who are not really used to them. So there's no doubt that Jamaican plantains and bananas are close relatives. However, the plantain actually contains a lot more starch. Do You always talk about helping people to unleash their inner champion. So, and you mentioned that everybody has an inner champion in them. So how did they um, like unlock that inner champion?
5: Yeah, that's a good question. I think one of the things that I want to tell everybody is this, we are all naturally like you're born this way. You're naturally curious, creative, resourceful, and whole. Like that's, that's, that's just what's in you. Now, what happens is for most of us, the further we get away from, playing to our curiosity our creativity tapping into our resourcefulness we start to feel like something's missing we we feel like we're broken we feel like we're being left behind that's the challenge so what we have to do is to find that inner champ and so i developed this framework called champ c h a m p it's a framework it's an acronym and it stands for clarity habits action mentors and persistence so I teach people how to tap into this inner champ by going through that framework. So clarity, we already just talked about it. It's the one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves is to get clear about where we are right now and where we want to go. To get clear about what we want in our lives, the impact that we want to make. Everything stems with clarity. Most of us don't even know. We don't, we don't know what we want. Then we move into once we get clear about what we want, now you have to change your habits because habits are the things that you do on autopilot. And most of us know that the habits that we have aren't serving us well. You know, eating um, fast food every day, let, not going to the gym, you know, doing the bare minimum when it comes to our health and wellness, you know, that's not going to get you where you want to go. You know, that's not going to get you the energy you need. You know, that, there's the, that may cause you some health challenges. So we know that. So what we have to do is replace the habits that aren't working for us with habits that will work for us. And one of the biggest misconceptions about habits is it takes 30 days to form a habit. Well, that's not true. There was a a college or a university in London, I think it's the London University College that did a, um, a study, and actually it takes 66 days to form a habit. And so for some of us, it's like, oh, you go to the gym two or three days and you wonder why you haven't achieved the the goals that you want. Or you started to save a little bit and you wonder why you're not magically, you know, out of debt. It takes time. It takes time. And so that's the, we have to change our habits. Then it's the actions, but it's not a little bit of action. You have to take massive action. You know, Tony Robbins says, look, If you want massive change in your life, you have to take massive action. So what are those things that you're doing every single day that are going to get you closer to the goals and the dreams that you have in your life? And that requires you sometimes to filter out some things that aren't going to help you get there and even some people, right? If you know there's a lot of negative people in your life that talk you out of your goals and dreams, then you might have to put some distance between you and those people for some time. If it's not helping you to move in the direction that you want to go, then you have to question why are you spending time doing that? Then we move to the M. The M is all about mentors. When you look at highly successful people, whether it's Serena Williams, Michael Jordan, you know, Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, all these people, one thing that every successful person has in common, I promise you this, is they've had mentors and coaches, every single one. And so what do mentors and coaches help you to see the blind spots, to see the things that you can't see that are holding you back? They help you with your mindset. Changing your mindset is so important. And another thing that they do is they show you the fast track, right? A lot of them have done what you want to do. So all you have to do is model what they've done to get the results. So mentorship is so important. And then the P in CHAMP stands for persistence. There's going to be good days and bad days. There's going to be days where you feel like quitting. There's going to be days when other people try to talk you out of your goals and dreams. There's going to be days where you have missteps and failures and setbacks. But when you realize that you have a champion inside of you, and one thing that all champions do is they use those setbacks as lessons and they keep going. And so persistence is the key. Some of you are so close to getting what you want, but you've just given up. Keep going. Keep fighting for what you want and you'll get there.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.